Steve, I am. Uh, I'm very proud of you this week. You're not wearing orange. You're. you're change up the fashion wardrobe this oh, week. yeah i guess right the week we're, we're finally not playing illinois i'm not gonna uh, wear the orange right proud of so, you. who proud is this of you. week iowa Bears, which black i had black and orange. i, I had oh, steelers black on because the steelers are on right yeah and i had steelers step on and then i was like oh, i probably shouldn't wear that this week because it is the same you could have worn white and you'd have been you'd have been, ah, the game. been better um anyways this is the stuff summer says podcast with steve steve Steve, we've got a busy show today. We have a guest for the first time in a while. Uh, Seth Engel of the Daily Collegian stops by. He's the football editor. Um, great, great conversation with him. Just kind of on the student life of, of being a, a football reporter at Penn State, particularly. Um, so we'll get to that. And then we've also got, uh, well, we've got some, some things to talk about, both in the announcing department um, and in the football department. Um regarding the Illinois game. And then we've got the, uh, as you mentioned, the Whiteout Weekend. I'm very excited about the Whiteout Weekend. And this week's Old Guy, Young Guy brought to you by Steve's Weekend is is, is how I, I think I'm, what I'm hearing. So I'll be a preview of things to come. Okay. Oh boy. Oh boy. All right. Um, go ahead and listen to this interview with Seth. Um, we will be back after that. Uh, Steve, I think for the first time ever, we are joined by a guest younger than me. I think this is, and and our whole shtick is old guy, young guy. But now I'm maybe one of the old guys. Is that what you hold that getting? kind of you hold that kind of stuff into like right when we go on, like no prep. But yeah, you're right. Well played. Okay. Yeah, well, hi Seth, how are you? I'm doing well, Darian. Thanks for having me. I'm I'm glad I can uh I can do that for you. Thank you. Thank boost, you. Boost, uh, your, yeah. boost your experience a little bit. Thank you. Thank you. This is why. That's right. We're joined by. Uh, Seth Engel of the Daily Collegian. He is the football editor. He's covered the team for a couple seasons now. Uh, he's writing for the Philly Inquirer. You've seen his bylines on the Post-Gazette. Originally from uh, the Philly area, Jersey Philly area, but a little bit of Chicago in there as well. Um, I'm excited to, to chat with you. Pick your brain. I want to, well, it's always good to chat with a, a fellow collegian, collegianer. We've we've had plenty of those on. Steve and I are both those. Um, so let's let's get into it. I guess let's start here. Why do you want to go into journalism? Why, why is that? I know that's a job interview question, but, but why do you want to get into journalism? Why is this an interest for you? Yeah, I think that's a great question. I, I mean, it, it really started for me with writing um, was always my thing. And growing up, you know, I think like any kid that eventually gets into this career path is, you know, a love for sports and you start to see your grades growing up, math's dipping down and, and your English grades are going up and you start to say, okay, well, how can I combine sports with, you know, my, my ability to write well? Um, and it got to a certain point where um, I, I wrote for my high school newspaper and, you know, I was the editor in chief there. And, you know, eventually when I, when I was time to look for colleges, I, you know, I, I was like, why, what better place than to cover Penn state football? You know what I mean? And, and, and right there and, and cover that team. So that's kind of, how we're here and that's 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 why i do what i do it was was penn state like was that your dream school or were there other schools in the process you know like why why did you pick penn state was it simply because to cover you know potentially cover the football team yeah my, my mom went here um you know she was she was here during the national championship teams um in the 80s so 
I mean, growing up, I was always, you know, a relatively big Penn State football fan. I'm kind of just around it on Saturdays. And, you know, my dad went to Cornell, but he too, you know, he's basically like an alum as well. So it was a very, very big Penn State family. I'm always kind of knew I wanted to come here. It's just a matter of, you know, actually getting in at a certain point. Um, you know, I don't know if my grades in high school were were good enough, you know, to get into Penn State. But I worked really hard, you know, my my sophomore and junior years to really boost those grades and eventually became a reality. So could be happier. So and then I guess more specifically, you know, what led you to join the collegian and kind of what what was that process like? At least and what is that process like for people that don't necessarily know, um, you know, you're talking to two people that joined the collegian, but there's a lot of people that haven't joined the collegian listening. Yeah. So I, uh, I mean, when it, when it came time to, to actually pack my bags and go here, I, I knew that I wanted to report on Penn state football. That was, you know, that was my goal when I was applying to school. Um, and, you know, coming from Chicago, I didn't really know many people when I first arrived, there was also COVID. Um, so there wasn't much opportunity to even meet that many people. Um, so the joining the collegian or, or an outlet like that um, was pretty much a no-brainer. Uh, but it's actually something funny that um, I tell people a lot is, you know, I actually applied for Onward State and had an interview there um, and didn't get it. You know, so that was before I had my collegian interview. Um, didn't get in with Onward State, interviewed with the collegian and, you know, got in there. And, you know, that kind of thrived me, I think, for that first year to – you know, work super hard and kind of show it to the onward guys. And then eventually, you know, I became friends with some of the people that didn't even let me on. Um, but, you know, it's uh, the collegian. It's such a great place. And I, I think it's I think it's a great opportunity to learn like traditional journalism and um, really hone your crafts as, you know, not just a blogger, but, you know, as a real journalist. And I think in an era that, you know, desperately needs, you know, talented young people who kind of know what they're doing. How what was, was it to you? Uh, that trans what was the transition when we talk about sports right they talk about the transition from college high school to college football is really big what was the transition from high school journalism to college journalism like like in terms of writing oh, skill set and, and and you learning what was good in the new world yeah it, it's night and day i mean it really is um there wasn't much organization when i was in high school uh like i said like i was the editor-in-chief for a year but i was basically just figuring it out on my own like i didn't really know what i was doing the editorial staff that was there before had graduated. So you kind of just come in and it's like, all right, we're, we're doing it now and we're doing everything. You know, it was, I think it was more news oriented too, um, at least my focus. And then I came to the collegian and it was like, they had like, like there are generations of people who have, who have written for the collegian. So everything that we do more or less has, you know, stayed the same for a while, unless the industry is, has kind of forced some changes, but, you know, the way we do things and, and our ethics and, um, you know, kind of our values have pretty much remained the same for a while. And I think that's really important, um, you know, to, to maintaining a successful, you know, student newspaper. When you were covering, what was your first coverage event related to Penn State football? You talked about wanting to cover Penn State football. What was that first event, game, news conference? Do you remember that interaction and how you felt? And then I guess assess how you did with it, looking back on it. Yeah, so it was it was really interesting because it was still COVID when I got on the staff. I had covered lacrosse for spring of 2021, and I was only able to go to one game in person because the credentials were limited. Um, so by the time I, you know, got on football after that lacrosse season, 
um, there really wasn't much in-person reporting that I had done. Um, so that, that part of it was, you know, a little nerve wracking and, you know, even still, it took a little while for me to even get an in-person press conference for football. Um, so I was hopping on the zooms and that was an interesting experience when you went from, you know, Tambroni press conferences for lacrosse with maybe four people. And then on the zoom calls, it's like, you know, 60 or 70, and there's no chance that you're going to be able to ask a question. So I think that was, that was the biggest transition, but my first in-person event was big 10 media day. Um, and that was, you know, that was spectacular. I mean, I was, I was starstruck, you know, you get to see all these big time coaches, not just Franklin for the first time in person, but you know, all those big time coaches and, and three of the best players from each of the teams participating. Um, and that was, you know, that was something that I, I just remember driving home from that um, and, and just feeling, you know, so excited and, and I guess happy. And I think that kind of, you know, thrived me to keep going. And, you know, I've been to, been to two more big 10 media days since then. Cool. Do, you, do you feel like you have an advantage as a student being a student covering the football team? It's something, you know, we've always kind of talked about on this podcast is, Oh, you're in class with whatever quarterback or whatever player type thing. Do you feel like you have an advantage? Or do you feel like you have a disadvantage, I guess, would be the other side of that? Yeah, I don't know if there really are too many advantages. I mean, I th think it is interesting to see, like, Drew Aller in your RPTM class. I'll say that. I don't know if that's necessarily an advantage because I'm not – it's not like I'm asking him questions or anything. Like, I don't want to – I don't want to do that. He probably he thinks about football all day. Like, when these guys are in class, I don't really want to bring it up unless I'm, like, you know, build, like, a friendship with them, um, which is hard to do. I feel like the disadvantages are are kind of outweigh the advantages in a lot, lot of ways. I think there's, you know, somewhat of a negative connotation to being a student journalist um, in, you know, what is one of the largest beats in the country. Um, the opportunities are already limited because of that. And I think, you know, they're, they're granted to the guys, you know, rightfully so, who have been on the beat for, you know, 40, 50 years. Um, there are some, some OGs on that beat. Um, that you're not necessarily here to steal a question from. And I think it's difficult to, you know, ask questions at times, um, especially in, in Franklin press conferences. But I don't know. It's 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 a learning experience more than anything. Um, and I think that, like, once you kind of realize that, then you don't really take it personally anymore um, when it comes to whether you're able to ask questions or not. You feel like maybe both, I guess, actually, let's, let's break this question into certain parts. Do you feel like players answer you differently because you're relatively the same age? And do you feel like James Franklin or insert X coach here answers you differently because you're not relatively the same age? Yeah, I'll start with the players. I mean, I, I don't, I think it depends kind of how you phrase it generally. I don't think they really care if you're, you know, a seasoned vet or not on the beat. They're just there to field the questions. Um, and if you phrase it correctly or, or in a way that they like, then they're going to, you know, give you, you know, a certain response. Um, and I, you know, I have seen like from personal experience, you know, when I was coming up, you know, I obviously wasn't as good as asking questions, you know, as I am right now. And I'm, I still don't think I'm, you know, phenomenal in any regard, but I mean, you, you do start to see when you make little shifts to how you ask questions, how, you know, people respond to them. And I think that's, you know, one of the biggest things I've learned over the past couple of years. Um, but with Franklin on Wednesdays, you know, that's, I don't know. He, he, uh, 
I think he's fair at times, but I think that, you know, with student journalists, um, there are maybe just people that he, he doesn't know or hasn't seen before. Uh, maybe there's, there's just a little something there. I don't think, you know, he has any bad blood whatsoever. Um, but I, I think there definitely is more, you know, comfortability with someone that's been covering the team for, you know, a decade or two. How much of a resource, if any, are those OG writers? Like, have you, have you tried to, to at least tap into them at all in terms of times you've crossed paths that, that's not, you're not working to say, Hey, yeah. I want to pick your brain or, or, or what's been your approach to that? Oh, absolutely. Um, there are a number of guys on that staff um, and girls that, you know, have been extremely helpful um, to me coming up. Um, I think it was a hard transition when you just join this historic beat with some of the best, you know, sports writers in the country um, are on that beat and you kind of don't know what you're doing. But then once you kind of set your feet in and, you know, people start to recognize you a little more and you gain a little more confidence, um, and I tell, you know, my collegiate staff is like, you should reach out to these people and, you know, ask for help because um, they really are nice people. And, you know, they have loads of experience, um, but they're I mean, yeah, there there are a ton of people on that beat that I've gone to for help and that I've, you know, built pretty good relationships with. Do you you want to give a shout out to any of them? You know, are, are the, do the collegian people, I found that when I would work with the collegian people that used to work at the collegian a long time ago type thing, they would kind of look out for the student journalist do you do you find that as well yeah i mean i think i think especially because a lot of the beat is made up of of collegiate alums i think there's you know there's there's some want to kind of give back a little bit um which which i feel as well you know that's kind of why i'm doing the, the football editor thing right now is you know I've, I've been doing this for a couple of years as a reporter now you know to be able to kind of give back and and teach as much as i can um, to people who are still, you know, not too far removed from where I was one or two years ago. Um, I think that's that's really cool. And, you know, it's it's always fun for me to hear kind of how the beats evolved. Um, like Mark Brandon, especially, is a guy that just has stories, which which I always, you know, appreciate and love to hear. Um, you know, Rich Garcella, too. Um, they have, you know, they have seen this program go from, you know, from one spot to another. Um, and they're just, you know, just open books, really. Um, so that's always, you know, really interesting to hear. Uh, specifically for you, I think one of the, the unique challenges is all for all of those beat writers, that is their day job. Like that is what they do. They are, if, if James Franklin is speaking at 1230 on a Tuesday, they are there. You've got to deal with scheduling classes almost around or, or, or through or that, how does that work and how do you handle kind of the going from class, you know, class Seth to journalist Seth? Yeah. I mean, it, it sucks. Uh, there's really no way to sugarcoat that. It's, it's, it's really hard. Like it's, I feel like I'm already working a full-time job at times. Um, and then to have to, you know, on, on, on Tuesdays, like I have three classes and it's also the day that Franklin speaks, which is right in between, you know, my first class and my second class. Um, and then there are player availabilities through that. And then there's writing and then there's also editing. Um, my Tuesdays and Wednesdays are, are very long. And a lot of that is just because of, you know, having a class schedule, um, which is, you know, I, it's, it's hard to really complain about it because that's why I'm doing the collegian. That's why I have all these opportunities is because I'm a student. Um, but at the same time, you know, once, once you get to your senior year, it's like, 
okay, I'm, I'm doing this again. I'm still doing classes, even though, you know, my main priority at, at most of the time is, you know, covering the team and, and, uh, you know, kind of running my staff. So it, it's an interesting balance, but I, I think by now I've, I've kind of made it work um, as busy as it gets. On the, what is the biggest difference for you between uh, Seth, the, the, the writer and Seth, the editor, and I guess more specifically in the, the football editor position? Yeah, I, I think most of it is is kind of running uh, running a beat for the first time. So if I were to let's say if I had my own publication where I, was, where I was writing for a paper and kind of scheduling my own content and stuff like that, I feel like that's more similar to being football editor than than solely being a reporter on the staff. Because um, I have to, you know, we we brainstorm you know ideas and, and certain angles and and schedule stories and stuff like that. And if I were to be on my own or just have one editor you know, by my side, it's, it's going to be pretty individual. I mean, that's kind of how things have been with, with, with editing. Um, so I like that part of kind of having control of, of, of our, you know, beat and the way that we do things. Um, but, you know, writer Seth, I feel like is, you know, I'm, I'm also trying to look for, you know, creative angles and, and kind of just build my craft um, and, and honestly just, just improve as a writer, um, I think has, has, has been really important. You have goals or stories you want to try to get done in the next period of time before you're done with school or things that you're focused on that you, you hope to make happen. And you talked about the improvement, but I'm curious if there's anything that's out there aspirationally to try to happen, make happen. Yeah. I mean, I definitely would like to get a job. Um, I think that's my number <laughs> one. That's my number one goal. Uh, probably most seniors right now. Um, but I mean, short term with, with writing, I mean, there are, there are a couple of stories that have kind of, you know, been on my mind that, you know, I've started to put the pieces in place for um, working with John Affleck a lot has been, has been great. And, you know, we're coming, I did, I did little league too at the start of the year, um, little league world series, which is an awesome experience. I'm um, doing that for the associated press um, and kind of branching off and doing something bigger with that. And, and Monet Davis, cause her, her 10 year anniversary is coming up next summer. Um, so that, that's something that I'm, you know, that's a big feature that I'm looking to uh to complete pretty soon but yeah i think ultimate goal is you know graduate and and you know hopefully have a job as, as soon as i i get back to chicago in may is this it, appreciate that yeah yeah that, that yes that's, i'm sure of that is this what you want to do do you want to write professionally yeah absolutely i mean that that's hands down um i think it's interesting what my friends kind of see me like my roommates when they kind of see me do my thing and now they're kind of used to it by now. I've had, you know, the same roommates for a couple of years now. Um, so they, they understand, like, I'm going to be gone for almost half the year. Um, and it's really like no sweat on my back. Like I, I love what I do right now. Um, I really, I enjoy the grind as busy as it gets on those Tuesdays and Wednesdays, like I was talking about before, but you know, doing travel and, and, it's honestly, it's, it's a dream come true. It really is. Um, so I see no reason to, you know, stop that at any point soon. And you know, I, I only want to get better. You know, that that's, that's my only goal. Awesome. Um, all right. This is your, your moment to shine, your moment to plug I know you've got a podcast, you've got Twitter handle and you've got all of your writing. There's, there's a lot, this kid's busy. Yeah, there, uh, there is a lot. I mean, first things first, I want to start off with, you got to read the collegian, um, you know, PSU collegian.com. 
Um, there's a lot of great stuff that we're doing. Um, it's me, Joel Haas, Zach Allen, Sam Wallison. Um, it's great coverage. The Collegian has, has been consistent for so many years. And, you know, this is one of our better staffs and, you know, in my opinion, in a long time, I, I think, you know, everyone's really strong there and there's a lot of great stuff that we're doing. Um, and multimedia wise, you know, the one and O podcast, we just got a new studio. It's me and Zach Allen. Um, so we're in a new podcast studio in the Willard building. Um, looks beautiful. And uh, I guess aside from that, I also have a podcast with Adam Bittner um, with the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Um, you know, that comes out every Wednesday. So, you know, that that's a great listen as well um, on YouTube. Um, and aside from that, I mean, just, you know, if, if you have time, you know, read my stuff. I'm with the with the Philly Inquirer, Post-Gazette and Collegian. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's up to you guys if you if you want to read into that. <laughs> All right. Hey, thank you very much for doing this. Seth. We know you're busy. We know there's a lot going on. Uh, good luck to you. You got a you got a good head on your shoulders. I'm, I'm excited to keep watching you. Thank you guys. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Thanks, Seth. I like it. I like Seth. He's he's got a good, like I said, good head on on him on his shoulders, and I think he's going places. I, I he's he's been a very good read, like a good solid read. Uh, if you're really paying attention to Penn State football, a, a nice read to break things up. Um, you know, from your usual beat writers, and I think that's that's the important part of of the Collegian's voice and kids like his. So, good luck to Seth. Look at you. Good luck. Young whippersnapper is going to be great. Um, yeah, no, I think you're right. I think the, the student voice is good. Um, he's not only the youngest guest we've had, he's the first guest that I actually have in a class. So um, conscientious contributor, good stuff. So yeah, I, I think good kid. Yeah, yeah. So there you have it. Anybody, Seth, particularly Seth's, Seth's parents. parents. Seth's yes. parents, you did a good job. There yeah, you go. Good job, Seth's parents. We're, we're, we're proud of you too. Um, all right. Anyways, tell you tell you who's proud of me my mom she's proud of me because i know she was upset about the announcers um <laughs> let's see where to start let's let's start with gus johnson and and the debacle that was saturday's football broadcast that will that in fact we will probably spend more time talking about that than we will the actual football game this weekend um let me take a deep breath think about what i want to say here um I, honestly I am still bothered by it. I am still very bothered by the quality of the broadcast that we got on Saturday. Listen, if you've listened to this podcast for the last now, what, three years, you know that Steve and I aren't Gus Johnson's biggest fan. We're not Fox's biggest fan, particularly in college football. Um, and I, I Saturday's broadcast felt embarrassing. I, I, I don't think the, the quality in the broadcast was there, both in the visual quality um, and really the the quality that was Gus Johnson. But if this is the, the biggest part of your football weekend, which it was for Fox, and I get it, it's Penn State and Illinois, it's probably going to be an ugly, boring game, which is pretty much was what it was, you know, when you can kind of look back at it in that lens. At least fake it, fake it until you make it and, and give me a little bit of that energy. And I think the thing that we've been talking about, I was thinking about this earlier, thing that we've been talking about on this podcast the most lately is the word consistency. And I think, look, like I don't like Gus Johnson's shtick, but give like be consistent about giving me that shtick because I think that is is at least showing to me as a, a viewer that you care. 
and it was very clear that he just he, he didn't care he didn't want to be there something else was going on his mind was elsewhere he was more excited about the wings and Deion sanders than he was any other play anytime penn state did anything interesting it was oh well and uh, penn state intercepted the ball and state scored a touchdown i where is the gus johnson that screams his head off like a a lunatic like as much as i don't like that gus johnson give me that just gus johnson it's it was just it was apathetic and it was frustrating as a viewer um you know if we're going to be saddled with these fox big noon kickoffs i want the production to be good and, and they just haven't been good and it's it is dampening the fan experience because it's changing kickoff times for games that probably should be at night or later in the day. And this was just another uh, check in that, that box of I'm not, not Fox's biggest fans when it comes to football. Yeah. And I don't have my phone in front of me because this is the part where you would say, this is the text Steve sent me this weekend. And this is why we're talking about this. And Darian texted me and said, I'm writing about Gus Johnson. He's this, and he's not he's not good and I'm like you're surprised because and I didn't know what was happening because I wasn't watching the game and then I got back and watched it later bef- having read just like the headline of your thing and but not read read in the piece yet and I'm like oh yeah okay this is different this is this is not well it was he was nickname given but it wasn't screaming um yeah like I don't know if something was up with him in general and and, and I I don't know how Fox can invest as much as it does in college football and just do it. They don't do it to serve the fans. It feels more self-serving than serving the fans. We have the, the, the big score bug. We have louder fan noise. It's kind of even hard to hear Gus Johnson and Joel Klatt sometimes, mm-hmm. honestly. And all mm-hmm. you got to do is turn down that mix a little bit so you can serve viewers. So I, I don't under, understand that. And maybe there's a piece of it, maybe – Maybe Gus Johnson is here and too many people saying, oh, well, he's not him, you know, and, he, and he's toned it down. Although I don't, I don't believe that to be the case that, that he would no. do that. So, um, yeah, it, it did sound a little different. Um, yeah, I, I, I guess I was surprised about what it was when you said you were going to write. I thought he was doing something over the top, whatever, but there was no, there was no even under the top on Saturday, yeah, which it, was interesting. At one point, there was it, it was it was the the singleton touchdown at the end of the game, towards the later, later part of the game, I guess I should say. And at that point, my entire tweet deck feed just lit up with "What's wrong with Gus Johnson?" And he, like, yes, like there are times when announcers annoy you as a fan. Like my mom, I know for a fact, turns the game off. 10 minutes into every game. Like there are people that I know that just, they're just going to go listen to Steven Jack. That's their, their first move. But there are other times when the announcers aren't really being that annoying and people are like, Oh, they're really for this team. It wasn't that it was, it was something was off and it just, it, it, it was not a good broadcast. It was an embarrassingly bad broadcast. And I don't know if you caught this and I wrote about it briefly, but even before the game, there was this weird lead in with Gronk doing like a dizzy bat type thing. And it's like, I'm here to watch my, my team talk about my team that I'm about to watch this game. If you want to go to Colorado and, and do whatever, that's fine. But talk about the game that you're about to show me on my television. Cause that's, you're still obligated to do that. Cause this is your, still your, 
Hallmark broadcast for the week. Yeah, and I think I, that's the big, that feels to me like the biggest thing. Like it, it was, the game might've gotten caught up in, in the wash a little bit of some other things that were going on in college football. Um, and what clearly did with the pregame show moving. Um, but it, again, that was, well, not again, we haven't talked about it. That was the right decision, right? You got to go there with that energy and that storyline and whatever else. And Champagne's not going to have anything. And they do an orange out and the stadium isn't full and all those things. So I understand that. But I do think not many people, unless it's Notre Dame and Ohio State, you're getting core fan groups for games, especially for this game, especially for Penn State, Illinois. You were getting core fan groups. So go ahead and serve those fans on both yes. sides. Rather, rather than try to do something bigger about college football or, or, or funny or stick or non-stick, just serve the fans. And, and I think you you talk consistency. For me, it's always about are we serving fans? And, and I don't know that Fox can answer that question on on a consistent basis that it's serving fans well. No, I, I, it was it was very clear. And even like to compare it to to the the 10 p.m. broadcast of the Colorado game. It is 10 p.m. at night. It was the most talked about. It was the most watched. I think it pulled a 16 point something uh, in terms of, of a rating. And that broadcast felt good, professional, lively, fun, energetic. Like it, it was a complimentary to both sides. It was a little Dion heavy, but it was relatively complimentary to both sides. And I, I don't know. It's just for Fox to have to shell out the money that they're shelling out and then give you that that really turd was was bad it was bad anyways all right anything else there i feel, I feel better after i got that one out that was our, glad you could that was our first therapy session of the welcome year. to your first therapy session yeah. today all right um, am i getting paid for that i'm not getting paid no, for the writing am i getting well paid for yeah <laughs> by the way steve is is only getting paid to write for the blog that's he's that's his primary <laughs> source of income so <laughs> surprise to susan who is listening um and Steve has made a whole whopping zero dollars, just as much money as I have. Um, anyways, uh, let's see. Moving on. Uh, I thought, I think all things things considered, looking back at the game, I think Penn State was very much fine. And sometimes you're going to have very much fine afternoons. And at the end of the day, Penn State had more, more points than the other team. And I think that is exactly how we'll, we'll go back and look at this game in three, four months. Um, I think... We finally saw for the first time all season the defense look like the defense it was supposed to look like. I don't think the quarterback on the other side of the ball was that great. Um, I think Drew probably could have been a little bit better too. Um, didn't throw for a touchdown. That's okay. Um, not all of the incompletions were his fault. Um, and I think it was very much there were times when that game could have went, gone south. And it didn't, and that felt very different than previous years. Uh, looking at if if Iowa was on the schedule, two thousand twenty one in Iowa, things start to go south and never correct back. And I think it wasn't as extreme this time around, but there were little blips. You know, the the block field goal, even some of the penalties. It, it could have been a lot worse than it was. And Penn State corrected themselves, kept a level head on their shoulders, put it put it together, and I, I think. It just I think it was a comfortable it, it was an, it felt uncomfortable at the time but looking back and watching the game again it felt comfortable towards towards the end it, it was my biggest takeaway yeah and I I think that's a great summation an accurate summation and I'll actually go back to Fox and it doesn't pain me it was surprising to me 
that Joel Klatt offered that perspective a little bit end of the game and said, you know, Penn State fans saw this game. They're probably thinking, oh, okay, we did okay, but what what about what about Ohio State and Michigan down the road? Like he offered that perspective late in the broadcast and said, this is probably what Penn State fans are thinking. And he's right. I mean, that's what it boils to. It's, you know, yes, and it, this one's 30-some day, weeks, days away, and this one's 50-some days away, and those are the ones that are matter. Um, I think fans understand winning ugly. Um, I think fans understand duds of games. I, I think that can be overblown by the media saying, oh, well, you know, it's it's this kind of game. Fans get that. They 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 watched enough to know that there's good days and bad days and whatever else. Um, and last Saturday was an an okay day. Yeah, the team they were supposed to beat, and they they did fine. They didn't look stellar, but they didn't do a lot of stupid stuff that really hurt them. The offensive line still, you know, as you're looking, probably makes you wonder about the future. Um, but the future still at least a month away. Um, well, uh, and I think. I think the beauty of college football more so than the NFL is you have, you, you have the schedule laid out the way you do and you have the games versus Michigan, Ohio state, and then you have games against Illinois and you use those games much more than in, in the NFL as building blocks. And I think as long as you can build and grow from the game, then I think you're fine. And I think that's hopefully what we'll see this weekend. Um, like I said, nothing really caused me like major alarm concerns. I think that the running game, I'm looking forward to the running game being more established. Um, it, and I, I think my biggest gripe with the running game right now is that we gotta we gotta pick someone. Like I think we gotta pick someone to to that be the guy for a little bit. And I think someone's gonna get the steam, whether it's Nicholas or whether it's Katron. Like I I think Katron said this before i think gatron is the better back like yes nicholas has more more touchdowns but you've got to let them build steam and that isn't happening and i think that was probably one of the reasons for me why i felt like the running game hurt i don't think and i agree with you i don't think the line was as good as it can be but it, it could have been worse and we've seen it be a lot worse yeah and i, I the one thing that, that strikes me talking about using these games pair for others and and i know there was a game earlier this season where they ran some player, some formation where everybody talked about, Oh, they're just putting that on tape for somebody to show. Right. And then we have the pots touchdown and Oh, they're probably just, <laughs> I hope somebody somewhere and it's not us, <laughs> or maybe it's you quietly. And you're going to surprise me is charting those things. Remember those. Can we get to Ohio state and Michigan and say, Oh, yep. Say that was that formation. And now they used it a different way. Right. Like, cause people say that. And I feel it like is. they don't come back and say, Hey, here it is in use. So. It is me. I I literally had said right before they threw it, I was like, they're gonna throw it here on the on the T formation, not the not the pots throw that. Right. I, I I think it's I don't know if it's they're gonna use it. I think it's just we're gonna put that in the back of your mind that it could be coming if we line up this way. Well, and everybody says that, right? Like everybody. I mean, I think Steve Jones made reference to it post game, whatever else, because I think he said, oh, now teams have to prepare for that. I just want to see if the stuff actually shows up in those games. Like even if the formations show up, right? Just if I mean again, I appreciate they had to prepare for it, but it would be a cool call. Deformation formation is always going to show up. I think, I think I went back and watched that sequence in particular, and and Tyler Warren got held. Probably would have been the first read. I think Katron Allen probably should have caught that ball too. It pretty much went right through his hands. The throw was beautiful. So yeah, I I'm lightly charting those, Steve. I'm lightly jotting okay, cool. this down. So, um. 
All right, let's uh let's shift gears to this weekend. Um, Penn State will take on Iowa, the number twenty four team, twenty three team in the country, um, somewhere in that that range. It is the whiteout, but I think it is more importantly, and I haven't I haven't thought through this this concept yet. So we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna think through it together, Steve. It is more importantly, I think the rematch, the chance at at redemption for the the 2021 game and i think that game i don't think i don't think it necessarily bothers james franklin but i bet it it just eats at him just a little bit enough to be annoying um and i i wonder if james franklin in like more so than his team wants this one just because that game really screwed up a whole season for him more so regardless of of the the injury to Sean Clifford in that game um and I forget who the the big tackle was that got injured in that game as well PJ Mustafer I believe um I think that that game just kind of you could feel the air go out of that that season as Taquan Robertson is getting charged with another uh uh false start penalty or or delay game penalty and I, I just think this is maybe the first time we're going to find out and see between that and then and then Kirk Ferentz's comments about smells like a rat. Does James Franklin, like, is he going to – it's okay for him to maybe let his ego step in on this one because I feel like he's always about the team. No, nah, I think he personally wants this one. I don't know. That's that's my thoughts on it. Oh, I think that's probably true. Um, I think he's smart enough not to say that publicly. Yeah. Um, I think he – was is smart enough to make his team aware of it because that's the different differentiator it feels like anymore with, with college some of college football it's not so much because players turn over i mean not maybe at these two programs but players if they turn over it's about motivation it's about a reason it's about us against them um it's about making it personal as everybody's heard in colorado for the past two weeks um yeah i think that game the air went out of the balloon right and that and, and it was only iowa right that's that's what makes it worse right they lose to Iowa, like Iowa, and then they've got these other the other teams coming that always come, right? And I think that's where the fan base goes. And I I do think, no matter how much a team is one and zero, one and zero, one and zero, they go there as well. Um, I would be highly surprised if that happened this weekend. I appreciate Iowa is is a good defense. I appreciate they have a much better quarterback than they've had back there before. I, I just I appreciate they've won one here for the whiteout before, so that's great too. I just, I guess I'd be surprised. I just think Penn State's the better team. I, I, I think that shows up to to me the most is, is I think we're going to find out something about this team in a good way that we didn't necessarily find out last, last week. Um, so uh, I don't know. I am interested in that. I want to go back to one other point on the Franklin revenge tour. It is no coincidence that this game is the whiteout. I, 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 I wholeheartedly believe that there is no coincidence that, that James Franklin didn't say, I want that one to be the whiteout and and I don't care about anything else. Like I think I, I think he knows but you could have said but you would have set that game as the whiteout before the season. That I would love to know that. Like I would love to know the behind the scenes on picking the game, right? Because they're picking an early season game because they want the team to be undefeated for the most part, like it's not going to be a late season. It's never been, well, I don't know what the latest it's been, it, but it, it just feels Michigan, like Michigan. The one in, in my senior year was the last second, to the last weekend of the season. Okay. 
So it just feels like they're not going to wait though that long and, and hope that the teams, I don't know. And I don't know how much the TV networks had to do with it, right? Because, you know, they got their sneaky white out for NBC for the, for the home opener and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I don't, I don't think he's upset about it. Um, I just think, I just think Penn State under James Franklin has consistently played in big games. They don't, they don't, they don't play down a lot. They do play up. The, the, the moment has not been too big for them often, you know, and, and, and I think this is going to be another one of those moments. Um, this, this, I, here's something I was looking up. Next year will be the 20th anniversary of the whiteout. Um, the, the first whiteout, the, the Purdue game one. Steve, what is your favorite whiteout? I remember Notre Dame is the first, right? Because there was just a vibe. Full, that was the first full stadium. The yeah. first full stadium. Like that was, that. there was a cool vibe about that because it was the first one. So I remember that. The game obviously wasn't great. Um, the Ohio State game, but that was 16, right? That was the whiteout? Yeah, 2016. That was the... Yeah, probably that one, right? Because that was the loud one and the crazy whatever else stuff. Or no, 20, 2005 Ohio State? Well, 2005 was also an emotional right. one. Yeah. Um, Maybe Notre Dame just because of the first full stadium. I mean, I think I just remember the energy getting up to it, you know, and just yeah. the anticipation and it was going to be something special and different. So maybe that. I wasn't at that one. I, I would, that, that one, that's one of those Penn State games I wish I could go back in time for and, and be at. Um, I wasn't at 2005 either, unfortunately. Um, I, I don't know. The, the Michigan 2013, that was probably one of the most special weekends in Penn State athletics ever. That was homecoming weekend. That was the first, that was the opening weekend of Pagula. That was this really like, okay, like things are going to be fine. Like, I think that was the first time people kind of exhaled and were like, okay, like we can still have a football program that can compete relatively nationally and, and, and for big moments. Um, that one, you know, that was obviously my, that was would have been the second whiteout as a student. Um, yeah, I think that one will 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 be always be my favorite. Twenty sixteen was always also very special. That was that was the first. I mean, that was the first time I had ever rushed the field at Beaver Stadium, and I think really a lot of people had ever experienced that. Um, so yeah, I was just curious on that. That's kind of crazy. Here's a fun quirk. Were you an early adult? Go ahead. I was just to say it. It won't next year. Won't be the twentieth whiteout though because of COVID. Right. It would be the 19th whiteout. What was your question? Were you, were you on the field early in the, in the field rushing process? Or were you like watching and trying to figure out when to go? Like how did that play out? Yeah, it was, it was more, it wasn't like late, late, but it was, it was relatively early on. Uh, enough that the picture of us on the field, there are still people running behind us. Um, that I think I, have I ever told that story? I think, did I write that story in the seats? I don't, I don't think I did that. So we weren't students anymore. That was my first season graduated. I still have a core group of friends that were involved with Nittanyville, Corey Lestogie, Michael Higgins, his now wife, Alex. Um, and the, the just like, it is the most insane story ever, but they rush the field, fall down, like first people on the field type thing. Uh, our friend Gwiz falls down. Alex, she drops her phone. There's a hundred, there's probably 70,000 people on the field that at that point. And nobody, nobody could find the phone in the media area that she thinks she drops it. So I was like, well, let's just, we somehow I had found them leaving the field. And I said, 
come on, we'll go to Lost and Found. And, and she's like, walks into Lost and Found. And she's like, has anybody found this phone? And the person is like, no. And she turns to her left and in walks a person carrying her phone while she walked in. It was just like this like most bizarro, weird world. So anyways, that was fun. Nice. All right. Um, Brad Nessler is on the call. Excited about that. I'm excited. I love Brad Nessler. Big, Brad, that's a, big and that's Brad a big, I, I have to go look and I don't know if I can dig it up. I'm sure I can somewhere. When was the last time that they didn't have, like that? Alabama's got a game that afternoon. It's the leading game this game. Hmm? So CBS's number one team isn't on the Alabama game. What was uh when the, when Penn State played Alabama, I guess that would have been an ESPN game in in State College, I was trying to think. Because yeah, this will be the first this is their first game in CBS since 1996 in Beaver Stadium. And that was was that a pick game? That or was, was that game? That was a pick yeah, game. Okay. And then their first game. They were on CBS last year against Auburn, and their most recent CBS game before that was at Pitt in 2000. Okay, and then the so, Miami game was in there somewhere, too. Somewhere, yeah. Down there, okay. Yeah, down at Miami. Okay, um, so that's exciting. Something different. Um, anyways, all right. This week's Old Guy, Young Guy. You're up, Steve. Brought to you by old guys um, who go to a small college football game on a Saturday to, to give Penn State a break. Go to check out, like, coming college football against Utica. There are no game programs. Not even flip cards that they hand out to fans, no not charging a buck for a little piece of paper. It's all like coming athletic slash game day. And actually what's there is stats and drive charts. And it was fine. The Wi-Fi was good, but there's no rosters anywhere. And I, I just felt that, and again, the crowd was probably 65% family and friends. So perhaps they don't need the rosters and everybody knows them, but if that's the case, get 50 pieces of paper for the people who want the roster who might just show up and would be willing to give you a buck for the printed eight and a half by 11 piece of paper to know who the people are in the field. Um, so it just felt weird. Like I, I would, I, they couldn't find a sponsor for the sheet of paper to give me rosters. This is the weird. most. I, <laughs> what you want to go with not know who the players are. It's just the way you're grumbling about it. It's the most old guy grumble you've ever had in the history of this. Yeah. It's not wrong. I don't disagree with you. It's just well, and I guess here's the bigger picture. Maybe like the bigger picture, right? So the the one-off of small college football games may be something we try once or twice a year going forward, right? So the best way to follow that would be to have, you know, now this is going to sound really old guy, right? Have a ticket stub, have a program, neither of those, right? You pay your five bucks and you're in. There's no ticket stub and there's no program. So can somebody from Lycoming Football send Steve something just so he has something? I'm going to get a media guide in the mail from the one listener who knows the one person. Ooh. We did meet the tight ends parents from Utica, the second string tight ends parents from Utica, Ross and Sue, who were on their way to a wine weekend after watching their son's game. They were very polite. She's a West Virginia graduate. He graduated from Syracuse University. They were very talkative as we parked on the street for free and waited for the game to begin. So, Did you tailgate? We did. We took. We got sandwiches from Sheets. Actually, plopped open the tailgate of the truck. Oh, it was parked a, it on was the street a true outside tailgate. the fence. Yeah, because they have a tailgate lot. Their tailgate lot costs sixty dollars for the day, not an amount I was going to pay. Um, and I think twenty cars could fit in it when we walked by it. Um, so the total cost of the trip was gas there, subs at Sheets, and five dollars admission. So it was actually a cool little Saturday. All right. 
We had fun. Um, Next yeah. up, we have we have another game coming up. You could join us. Oh God, what game is it? Thursday, a Thursday night in Loretto, Pennsylvania. Oh, St. Francis. When St. Francis plays host to Wagner on a Thursday night. Don't tempt me with a good time. Don't tempt me with a good time. Uh, it's the Thursday night of Penn State homecoming week too, so you could be in town oh, Thursday night for that, and then go in Friday to State College for homecoming festivities. Steve's got a good idea. I will say, I we did it. We went to a Princeton game. Yeah. it's it, it's fun it's different it feels like a minor league baseball game it feels very different um but yeah i i, I get steve's griping about ha- not having programs or or uh rosters of some sort somebody gets steve a roster um uh, following there was a thing on his phone that he could search it for it um you know look at that without but it's really small and you gotta i know oh, God, yeah, that's why there that's where it was are you are you a programs guy because like some people are like some people buy a program every like i i know there are people that were very upset when penn state did started doing these digital programs they brought back the the yep. print ones this season i saw yep. yep um i was for a while and then i mean and especially except for the longest time for penn state like beaver state and pictorials i was writing something once a year you know or so stuff so I, there was stuff there um i'm kind of a keeper i've got media guides and some programs but probably not as many as i should um, so it's probably fallen off in the past probably decade or so. I've enjoyed buying those at antique stores type things. I, I, I don't know if in the moment, there are probably a couple programs I would like to have, uh, the ticket, and we've talked about this before the ticket stubs, not having ticket stubs does annoy me a little bit. Um, just because those are a little bit easier to keep, not as, not as thick and, you know, heavy. Um, so, okay. Yeah. Well, we, we paired a Penn state ticket stub. From the North Dakota hockey game in Nashville, with a picture from the game, right? Oh, and that's that cool. downstairs. Yeah, like that's kind of a cool little thing to have a ticket stuff from the game you were at and a picture of, of a goal, you know, yeah. kind of thing. So yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah, all right. Uh, that was this week's podcast. Podcast. Thank you to Seth for joining us. Um, let's see what else we've got. Uh, we've got stuff. It's the first time we're we're hawking stuff to you tonight. Long sleeve stuff. Yeah, um, it might be, I'm, I'm just going to say, it might be working on a new stuff design. That's all I'm going to say. Might be doing that. We'll see. We'll see. Um, there's a football game this weekend. I'm, I might see Steve. Hopefully I see Steve. Uh, not go say hi to Steve or you can say, go, come say hi to me. Um, we've got a website. And there will be articles written about said football game prior to the football game and after the football game. It's called stuffsummersays.com. On that website, there's a part for Steve called with Steve. Uh, Steve's got an email. It's Steve at stuffsummersays.com. I've got one. It's Darian at stuffsummersays.com. Um, I think that's like relatively it. Subscribe button somewhere over here, maybe. Um, please do that. Um, thumbs up, five stars. Other than that, uh, oh, Twitter handles. Mine is at stuffsummersays. Steve says at Steve Sampson. That's it. Time to go. Go watch the Steeler game. Hopefully that works out well for me. Okay, bye.